Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. Good morning and happy new year. It did occur to me this morning that I would not go in the ocean, but I didn't want to start the new year off without going into the ocean on this very uninviting day for the ocean. And as usual, the minute I get in there, I'm very glad that I did. There was one guy there with, I guess, a female friend, and she was way out there by herself, and it was him and me. And that's a perfect day at the beach. Other than the animals, like the seals and the ospreys and whatever else will come out, because there's no one around. And of course, it said that the water was just a little too dirty, you know, all the runoff and stuff. And that's another reason people won't go in. And of course, this makes conditions absolutely perfect, other than eight foot waves. So I went in, and instantly I get warm. Because the water was warm. It wasn't cold. It must have been about 60, 61, 59. It wasn't one of those cold, cold days. And you get this surge of warmth that allows you to go out of the water and onto the sand. And you just lie there like one of those walruses and you stretch it out. And your body gets warmer and warmer and warmer. And then you go back in the water again and you build this internal heat. Now, there's a lot to that. And if ever you're going to do something in terms of an anti-inflammatory effect, I just told you how to do it. And if you go near the rocks, it's even better. Because the rocks have stronger magnetic fields around them. Makes the waves bigger, too, but you put up with it. Now, some people will not do this. In fact, judging from the lines at Starbucks and the absence of humanity on the beaches, very few people will do this, at least around here, down in Orange County. And that's a shame because the beaches here are amongst the most beautiful in the world. But some people will not do this because it's freezing. To them, it's freezing. And they may be, they may be teenagers and they be, may be in their 80s or 90s. But to them, it's absolutely freezing. And so today's show is five reasons people are always cold. Now, that's an obvious one. But then again, it's not because lots of people live cold and they don't like it. You know, you shake someone's hand and it's cold. Back in the day when we used to shake someone's hand. Now we don't, of course, because the great of the great contagion. Now if you stick your hand out, people look at you. So be it. But generally people know when their hands are cold all the time, 
something's wrong and something is wrong. Of course, most of those people should try moving. You know, motion. Another thing that humanity may be extinguishing from daily habit, motion. But aside from the obvious, like move, one reason people are cold is, well, you see this when you go in the ocean. When you go in the ocean, your peripheral arteries constrict and your central arteries, your deep ones, vasodilate. If. So the peripheral arteries, think of your hands and your feet, they will constrict even strong people, which I hope I'm in that club of, at least right now. That could change at any moment, of course. But your hands and your feet get cold, and then internally you vasodilate. That is a function of the adrenaline that you can muster up. Adrenaline. Adrenaline, as in adrenal gland, as in the pit bull's got more adrenal power than the French poodle. And we have pit bulls and French poodles. Neanderthal men had bigger adrenal glands than Homo sapiens, and so on and so forth. But in humankind, there's varying degrees of adrenal response. So really, all of us, in all fairness to that rapidly disintegrating interest of ours, health, in all fairness, all of us should have an adrenal profile. And of course, the first place you build adrenaline is when you get deep sleep. You know, like that six to seven to eight straight ones. Deep sleep, somewhere, somehow, some number like five has been floating around. I'd like to kill that number. That ain't the right number. It's better than four, which is better than three. So arbitrarily, we could pick two hours of sleep because it's better than one. I don't know how we picked five and anyone and anything that did pick five because of some study, they need to restudy it because out there in clinical experience land, meaning realityville, lots of people on five straight are going to feel tired the next day. You want enough sleep so you pop out of bed. You want enough sleep so by the time, you know, your day is going, you don't feel like, oh, I got to get up and walk to the car. You got to have that bouncy, perky feeling going on, or you're not getting good enough sleep. Sleep makes adrenaline. Sleep makes estrogen. Sleep makes testosterone. But let's just talk about adrenaline. People that don't sleep well, or people who don't know how to muster up a lot of adrenaline. Those of you with those chins, you know, like the receding chin, the chin that didn't come in fully, God bless you, this is not a criticism, but if you don't have a big, strong chin, you have less adrenal strength. It's just the way you're born. You got to love yourself as you are. You got to know yourself so you can exaggerate your assets and minimize your liabilities. If you don't have a big, strong chin, then you're in that category of people who may just, because of the way you're made, and you're made perfectly imperfect, not muster up enough adrenaline on a daily experience. And then if you don't sleep, because you're nervous, because you're not alpha dog, 
if you add all that together, now you're burning out the little bit of adrenaline you had. And when you're in a situation where you got to muster it up to warm the internals of your body, you can't do it. So you walk around cold all day. So one thing is your genetics as far as your adrenal strength. The next one is your adrenal strength, your adrenal strength in general. There's lots of facets to that. You take a guy with strong adrenaline, good strong adrenals, you throw him in an icy lake, you let him run out in the cold, you just let him run around with one less sweater when the cold front comes in or go out without his scarf during a windy, rainy day. You take a guy with a strong or a woman with a strong adrenal response and with the men, have them lose too much of that sacred fluid, you know, reproductive fluid as in sperm for whatever reason. You want to have a baby and you're working very hard at it. So on some weekend, you lose a lot of fluid. You will watch that guy get cold. Because testosterone is compensated by the adrenals. And lots of men off their practices, their sexual practices, whatever they may be, will go into adrenal insufficiency. So it's not just sleep. Fighters know this. People that train horses know this. If you have an animal that's a little too frisky, like a thoroughbred that just might bite your face off, well, let it mate or let it go out there and do its thing. And guess what? Your horse gets lots more genteel. Same thing with fighters. If they're competing and they make the mistake of ejaculating that week, Rocky Marciano, Marvin Hagler, there's two examples. Those guys wouldn't release fluid for six months before a fight. The hippopotamus, you know, Peter Potamus, the lovable little hippo that lots of people like to pet, the number one killer out in the African plains, hippos. A male hippo in heat has a testosterone level of 10 pit bulls. They just look at you and want to kill. Not eat you, kill you, because the testosterone is most high. We see this relationship between adrenaline, testosterone, and internal or thermogenesis. So your adrenal profile can start to look bad because you worry too much, because you lose too much fluid, because you weren't born with all the adrenaline you needed in development. Those of you whose bites... You know, the bite, the thing you did at the orthodontist to get good occlusion, all the teeth have to touch. When the orthodontist messed up or when you never got your braces, never got your teeth straightened and your teeth don't touch, it will rack your adrenal production. EMF will rack your adrenal production, meaning when you're exposed all day to 40, 50, 60 hours of computer nonsense under fluorescent light in rooms that have no basic airflow. I mean, like air from the outside to the inside, not circulating the same snots that everybody's breathing and coughing into and calling that some sort of central AC system. 
when you don't have windows in your office. Yes, that's you and you and you and you and you and you and you. That's why you're cold all the time. And then, of course, you don't move. Now, here's another one that makes you cold all the time. Your tendons. Those of you, classic presentation for someone that's cold all the time is a woman with large breasts. Ladies, if you're well-graced, well-endowed up there in the chest, there is a muscle that holds those breasts up. It's called the pectoralis minor. If you take your finger and put it on the knob of your shoulder, like the part of your shoulder that sticks out, and then just drop your finger straight down into that little crevice there and press, it's going to be tender. It's kind of where your bra strap goes. My Aunt Grace, no, it was Aunt Esther. She must have been about a size 60. And I used to hear for years about how her arms were always cold and numb. And she'd gone to every doctor there was in New York City to figure out why her arms were cold and numb. Guess what the cause was? If you just pushed her blouse to the side and lift the bra strap up, there was a like quarter inch depression her whole life. That had everything to do with crushing the nerve plexus and the blood supply to her hands. That's how obvious this stuff can be and how ridiculously naive people can be, including your medical doctors. They know nothing about peripheral nerve compressions. Even if your bra strap doesn't do it, the weight of the breast will shorten that muscle, the pec minor, and it will fight venous drainage of your hands. What do I mean? And this can happen to guys too, because lots of guys have breasts today, as we all know. But that aside, it can happen to guys too if you're just internally rotated at the shoulder. You know, you're, you're a sloucher. You're a CPA and you slouch all day with your head forward or a computer programmer. Or you make microscope lenses, jewelers, Anybody that's slouched over with their head down at a desk 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week is going to eventually shorten that pec minor. And when your venous system, your veins, you know, the dark deoxygenated blood from your hand tries to go back up to your heart so it can get pumped out again, it can't get there because the vein is very thin. It has no tunica media. In other words, the vein is not muscular. It's floppy. You know, floppy veins, veins that collapse, varicose veins. Those floppy veins, if you compress them up on the shoulder, they can't drain out of the hand. And your hands get blue. They get cold. You develop Renaud's disease. All because you didn't stretch a muscle. And nobody ever tells you this. You neurologists don't know anything. Your medical doctors are five times as naive as your neurologists, and you live like this for years. Oh, why are my hands always so cold? But not you, because your hands and feet are cold. You know why? All the tendons of your body are tight. And I know you do yoga, which has a wonderful habit now of not stretching all the tendons. My shows constantly demand that you stretch and release. Stretch and release. The pectoralis minor, the scalenes, the posterior cervical muscles, the lower end of the psoas, the belly of the hamstrings, behind the knees, 
into the Achilles tendon, into the central thighs, the arching of the thoracic spine on foam rollers or some version of your back bends. Yes, yes, yes. I know you've done these things. You go to yoga. You love your yoga teacher. Great. I support thee. However, if it doesn't warm your body, if you are not perfusing your body with warmth followed by blood, notice what I said, warmth followed by blood. Oh, it's the blood that makes you warm. Wrong. It's the warmth. Sorry to go east on you. The prana or the chi or the universal life force or the spirit. All of it has to move in response to the stretch, and then the blood will follow. We say blood follows chi. Very important Eastern mystical statement. No, very important scientific clinical pearl. Blood follows chi, meaning when you're stretching these muscles, I just enumerated, if you are, and releasing, which I hope you do, or relatively you're wasting your time, and you feel that circulation, that's prana or chi, the blood will follow that. So when you stretch the pec minor, when you open the scalenes, the posterior cervicals, show 243, 244, go to the website, look at the muscles, try stretching them on your own. If you get a response... You're going to come on my show, but only if I don't know you and you don't know me. And this just makes sense. And the first thing I'll ask you if I meet you as we come down to the radio station and I take you on the show and give you a brand new Rolls Royce. Just kidding. But I'll give you something. I'm going to have you do it for me in case you're a faker. But if you're really on the level and you can do any of these stretches and actually feel warmth and I don't know you and you don't know me, that qualifies you for the show. I'm serious. Because you're going to learn a great deal about what we mean by sending warmth to all parts of your body. If you're not flexible and you don't know how to be flexible, you're going to be cold. How many people, whether you're large-bosomed, Believe me, Jane Russell had cold hands. Jane Mansfield had cold hands. Sophia Loren has cold hands. Guarantee you. Just like my Aunt Esther had cold hands. Then, of course, it's the thyroid. Then, of course, it's anemia. Here's the thing about the thyroid and about anemia. Iron deficiency anemia, low red blood cell count, low B12 count, three different types of anemias, all of which will make you cold. And they're not going to be detected. Why? Because your results, your lab results, when we measure your iron or we measure your RBC count, will be within range. And the doctor will say, nothing here to suspect anemia. And that doctor, unfortunately, skipped those classes in medical school. To determine whether or not your hemoglobin's high enough or your RBC count is high enough, you have got to compare it to you five years ago, four years ago. You got to look at the trend. 
And what you will find, even though all your readings are in normal, is, is that they're getting less and less and less and less, and, but they're still within range. And so your doctor will say, who doesn't know you, because doctors change every year now, because they find out they can't make enough money like they used to, and so your doctor's gone. He had too many demerits on his report card, so they moved him to Klopstakia, where he has to live on 2000 a week instead of 10000 a week. Poor guy. See, if you're going to talk anemia, and you better talk anemia, and you better distinguish it between iron deficiency and a low red blood cell count. Low red blood cell count means your marrow is not pumping it out. If you've got kidney issues, you need epigen. If you've got kidney issues, you're not getting signals to the marrow to make more RBCs. You can go on for days as to why your RBC count will be low. But let's just leave you with this. To determine it, you have to compare it to past years. Now, your hemoglobin is the same way. If your hemoglobin's 13, maybe it should be 15. Mine is always at high normal. I tend to create too much iron. So if mine is 15 or 14, I'm anemic even though 12 is my cutoff or something like that. So you have to determine whether you really are oxygen deficient because you're iron deficient. And iron's the center of the hemoglobin molecule, which will go to your lung, pick up oxygen, and then deliver it to your cells. So your cells can go into their Krebs cycle, into oxidative phosphorylation, into producing energy. Energy makes you warm. Lack of energy or poor metabolic cycles make you cold. You need oxygen, which means you need iron. In the absence of it, it's iron deficiency anemia, but you've got to have enough red blood cells to hold the iron. So maybe your problem's in the bone marrow. Maybe your problem's iron deficiency. Maybe you're a vegan and you shouldn't be vegan or vegetarian and you shouldn't be vegetarian. All of these are reasons why you are cold. How about this? I'll make you a standing offer. You call the office. If we don't pick up, it's because we can't. Give us a little information. Maybe that's what I should do to start the new year with a slightly different slant on things. Only if you don't know me and I don't know you, meaning you never come to my classes, you're not in my class, you've never seen me as a client, you don't know me other than this radio show, preferably you don't even know this radio show, you were just in the car and heard this show and pulled over and said, wow, who is this guy? If that's you, call the office and if you're cold, I'll make you warm if you comply, if not, forget it. Only Jesus performs miracles and the saint. I am Dr. Medici, not Jesus, and definitely no saint, as you might have inferred. But if you're willing to work, keep a clean slate, keep your mind open, learn something, I'll help make you warm. Now, there's a standing offer. I'll pick one person, the easiest one to help. Now, thyroid's the same way. Thyroid is the same way. If your TSH is normal, if your pituitary is telling your thyroid, you're doing great, thyroid, meaning your TSH is within normal range. I think it's one to four, some number like that. And your TH, say, is three. Maybe it should be two. Maybe it should be lower. 
but now it's up to three. Maybe it's approaching four, but it's still within normal range. And your doctor, even your glandular doctor, who you just met because the other one got disbarred, anything like this, you've absolutely got. See, people are calling already. Somebody's liking this offer. All right, yeah. Things that are free. People love that. <laughs> Nothing's free. If I select you, you have to work. What a concept. Work. But you'll get a result. Your TSH, your doctor's got to look at it relative to all the other years. Your iron, your red blood cell count, all the other years. Your flexibility, not just up in your pectoralis muscle, but all over your body. You must release until you feel circulation and then the blood will follow. You have to have adrenal supply from sleep, from not so much worry, from good genetics, from not burning yourself out with good genetics. You, are, you have to profile your adrenal function and understand if you are really burning it on both ends, even with great pit bull adrenals, you can be running around cold. Now, how about mixing all of this together and some smorgasbord specific to you so that it's not one thing, it's a little bit of many things. And welcome to medicine, my friends. God bless you. Happy New Year. I hope your dreams come true. We'll see you next week. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.